Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. Agriculture is Saskatchewan, and 620 CKRM is your source for everything ag. Welcome to our newly expanded Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Here's your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. It's brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com. Today, the Saskatchewan Association of Rural Municipalities expresses serious concern about the formation of the proposed Canada Water Agency. Rural councillors are worried there will be added bureaucracy and costs to water projects. We look at the Les Henry Soil Moisture Map, and much of Saskatchewan is dry or very dry. Real Agriculture looks at reaction to the carbon tax in Saskatchewan, and FCC releases a report on the opportunities for Indigenous expansion in agriculture. And the Saskatoon Company announces it's building a new cedar. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnson's Grain, helping growers contract any type of grain. Call 1-800-324-7778. Rural municipalities in Saskatchewan are expressing opposition to the creation of the Canada Water Agency. SARM President Ray Orbs says councillors are concerned the water agency will add more bureaucracy and costs of municipal water projects. We do have, uh, you know, we have more questions that are unanswered than answers right now. And one of the questions we're asking is, you know, why does the federal government think that we need a new uh, water management agency in this province? We already have water security and, you know, we've been working uh, with water security for some time. And we, we don't understand why the federal government is saying that we need to have an agency. We're overlapping. We're actually asking municipalities, you know, uh, we could be asking municipalities in, in some cases to do duplication for the projects to be held up unnecessarily by federal regulations. And we have never heard of a new agency that doesn't really have a mandate. They seem like they have a vision, but uh, when we ask about what their vision is, it seems to be unclear. So there's a lot of confusion over this. Of course, we're not against any city in this province from getting increased jobs, but at the risk of, of hurting what's going on in the rural municipalities, we think that's a problem. So you've come out opposed to the creation of a Canada Water Agency. You're worried mostly about uh, possible conflict of jurisdiction with the province and RMs? Yeah, of course. We're, we're interested in what the federal government thinks about, uh, you know, overlapping jurisdiction, uh, perhaps, uh, you know, uh, putting regulations in place that could either hurt the province or could hurt rural municipalities, and we don't want that to happen. The consultation on this was really, uh, it seemed like it was a short time period, and we did set an opinion that we didn't think we need another water management agency in this province, and we'll still have that same opinion. 
So you're worried about an increased level of bureaucracy and higher costs and length of approval processes. Do I read that correctly? Yeah, that's right. You know, any projects that are done, the federal approval process usually is the one that holds it up. It's not the provincial one. We've been saying all along, why do we need duplications of approvals uh, that, you know, obviously drags out the approval process, but also costs rural municipalities more money. So, um, you know, we're, we're not keen on this uh, creation of this agency, that's for sure. Ray Orb is the president of the Saskatchewan Association of Rural Municipalities. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. The vast majority of Saskatchewan will be in regular need of rain this growing season. That point is driven home by looking at Les Henry's annual soil moisture map. Henry has published a soil moisture map every year since 1978. The former professor and extension specialist at the University of Saskatchewan examines rainfall data from the end of July when crops stop using water until freeze up in November. He also works in some soil probe results into the map, which is published by Grain News in January. This year's map has a lot of red, which means very dry. Henry says the stubble has essentially no moisture storage below 6 inches. Falling in that red zone are areas south of Saskatoon, Swift Current, Moose Jaw and Weyburn, as well as Medicine Hat and Drumheller in Alberta. The yellow area, which means dry, includes nearly all other areas of Saskatchewan. The only exception is Meadow Lake in the extreme northwest where the soil is rated moist. Henry says last year's soil moisture situation was much better at the start of the year and that made a big difference. For the 2020 crop, all of a sudden it didn't rain and everybody's hauling drought, drought, drought. Oh, southwest or southeastern Saskatchewan is dry, dry, dry. We're not going to have a crop. Of course you're going to have a crop. The crop, the soil is full of water. If the soil is full of water, it doesn't take much rain to grow a crop. But that's not the situation we're in right now. Regular rain will be needed through the 2021 growing season. And I think this year we've, we've, the snow is probably over many areas is, is sufficient that there will be some moisture on top, probably enough to germinate the crop. Mm-hmm. But th- this year, over all that area that's mapped is very dry, there won't be a normal crop unless there's above average rainfall and it has to be timely. Henry says some younger producers have not experienced a severe drought. He recounts a conversation with a former student at the Western Canadian Crop Production Show a few years ago. We farmers, we've got a fixed, we've got new methods of doing things and we don't need uh, we don't need water anymore. I grew a good crop on three inches of water. No, you didn't. You grew it on three inches of rain. The rest came out of the ground. And the thing we've learned in the last few years, it's not only that four feet that the wheat and canola plants uh, root around in, it can be even deeper not. But we're interacting with the water table that we never did before because we've had all these series of wet years. But and I have water table wells right on right on my farm, and and, and that day is over. You know the, the wells are dry, so it's it's a different situation. Henry talks about the precipitation at his farm in the Dundurn area, about 50 kilometers south of Saskatoon. Like in my farm at Dundurn, the last rain that I measured that had any impact on the soil moisture was the 8th of July. And after that, I had 2.2 inches of rain, but it added up to zero. So a lot of these little rains are in and out. Like uh, I'd go out and dump uh, two or three tenths of rain out of the gauge, and by noon, it was all gone. So you can't just add up the rain and say that that's gone in. And so any of that rain that came, you know, and in my case, it was 2.2 inches, it really adds up to nothing. So that, that's the situation. 
Henry is quick to note that he does not predict rainfall, and timely precipitation makes a big difference. It doesn't mean that it can't uh, rain and we're not going to get crops. For example, when I look back at the 2019 map, there was a, a chunk of south-central Alberta that had very dry conditions, and the rest of it was dry. You know, it, it wasn't good. But they had uh, above-average rain and, and lots of it all year, so they had a crop. I'm not in the business of, of predicting I don't have those kind of connections, so uh, whether it's going to rain or not. But all I know is unless we have above average rainfall and it's timely, we're not going to have an average crop. You know, there's a whole generation of people that don't realize that it doesn't rain every year. And some of them have experienced years when there was no rain and they still had a crop. And they think they've got some kind of magic, and they don't. The magic is the water in the ground. Henry is not a big fan pouring a lot of fertilizer into dry ground, but says it doesn't go anywhere in a dry year. If it's a multi-generational farm with lots of equity, carry on as normal. The big expense in terms of fertilizer is nitrogen. And if it doesn't rain, that nitrogen is going nowhere. We proved that in the 80s. There was a lot of dry years in the 80s. The 80s was, was the biggest one, and we proved it then. Soil testing was going then. And all the farms that used fertilizer, you could pick it up in the soil test. In fact, I remember the soil test director of the day saying we can, we can tell what dealers are recommending too much fertilizer because it's all still left in the ground. So it'll still be there. And you'll still be there because you have equity. But if it's, uh, as many farms are these days, uh, uh, highly leveraged is a polite word, is, which means a lot of debt, and mostly rented land. I think they want to look pretty seriously at how much money you put in dry ground because uh, if you have the financial depth to carry through, that's, that's okay. But if not, it would be different. Henry talks about what would be an ideal situation this year. If the soil is low dry water, it takes about five inches to fill up a medium textured soil, you know, so you're good to go. But you, you don't need it all at once. If you get enough to wet up a couple of feet and then it, the crop grows and then you get some more, that's fine. You get some more. But uh, if you have a long period of drought and you don't have any uh, reserves, that's when the trouble came. Les Henry is a former professor and extension specialist at the University of Saskatchewan. Every year since 1978, he's published a soil moisture map. This year, the vast majority of Saskatchewan is rated as very dry or dry going into the growing season. Henry's comments are from the Wheat Profit Podcast. It's produced by the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source, 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update brought to you by the Canola School. Get canola agronomic information when you need it on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Our library of timely agronomic information is free and available at canolaschool.com. Sean Haney here with RealAgriculture.com and Real Ag Radio on Rural Radio 147, Sirius XM, joined right now by the Minister of Environment out of Saskatchewan, Warren Kading. Big decision by the Supreme Court. Uh, obviously, your government leading the charge in this challenge of whether or not uh, carbon tax, price and pollution would be constitutional. Uh, were you surprised at all by the result? Well, we had a very strong and compelling case, and I think that was certainly represented in both courts of appeal, provincially, Saskatchewan, Alberta. It you know, wasn't a unanimous decision, so we felt like we had a good opportunity, put forward a good case, 
So, Mr. King, what what happens next? Like, how how do you pivot from this point? Um, the carbon tax or price on pollution, if you want to put it that way, it's got a pretty poor brand in Saskatchewan. Uh, even going back to the Wall government. So, how how do you pivot, and what's next for the for the province when it comes to this topic? Well, I think Premier was fairly clear yesterday in the uh, in the news conference right after the decision was uh, uh, was indicated. Is that well, we've got a few things that we need to do now. Is that, uh, okay, we uh, we understand where our federal government is at, uh, but we want to have a made in Saskatchewan plan uh, put forward. If there's going to be a, a price in pollution, as we're calling it, then it better have a Saskatchewan component to it. So a few things. Uh, you know, the one thing we want to do is certainly bring back uh, uh, SAS Power and SAS Energy into the provincial output-based emission system. You know, back in 2010, we actually had an act in place that uh, created a, an opportunity for heavy emitters to belong to a provincial output-based uh, performance system that, you know, established limits and then established criteria as to what happened if you're above those limits. And actually, at that time, it was even more stringent than what the federal uh, uh, parameters were. So the only thing... It, that unfortunately happened there is that SAS power and uh, and the pipelines, the, the gas pipelines under SASC Energy were not included. So we want to bring that into into a Saskatchewan-based, output-based uh, performance system. So so that'll be the first thing. Uh, second thing is we want to make sure that uh, we continue to protect our families against uh, the carbon tax. So we want to bring that into a provincial system. And uh, certainly recognizing that New Brunswick had a very simple process, so we'd like to emulate or, or get a system fairly close to what New Brunswick has done uh, in in putting the carbon tax on the price of gasoline through the distributor and, uh, and just initializing that in Saskatchewan. Third thing we want to do is, uh, you know, as you and I have talked in the past, is working along uh, developing carbon offsets that can be utilized with both our emitters provincially uh, nationally and perhaps even internationally. Uh, so, you know, to create a, an opportunity for the different sectors, whether it's the ag sector, forest sector, even the municipal sector to participate in an offset market. That is one of those options that emitters can, uh, can utilize that. So we want to make sure that our, uh, our stakeholder groups and our sectors in the province have an opportunity to participate in that. Um, no secret, we want to be involved in the small uh, modular reactor and the nuclear reactor uh, side of things. We signed an MOU, the Premier signed one uh, with Saskatchewan, Ontario, New Brunswick, uh, I believe in December of 2019. I understand Alberta now wants to come on board with that. Uh, lastly, you know, we, uh, we were not allowed to participate in the uh, low carbon economy fund with the federal government. And uh, we just are certainly going to be asking that we are included in that uh, in that low carbon economy fund that other provinces had access to to different funds in. So, so those are kind of our five point plan, I guess, kind of the five key areas that we want to uh, now develop and work towards our our maiden Saskatchewan fund. You have a strong background in in agriculture. Um, obviously, agriculture has a huge interest in. In, in the Made in Saskatchewan plan going forward, where does ag fit? Uh, obviously, carbon offsets may be an opportunity. Uh, that, that may be one of the points where they find some some common ground. Certainly. We've made a commitment that by 2022, we want to uh, have some provisions to allow uh, uh, agriculture, both our crop production and our livestock production sector, to be able to participate in the uh, in the offset market. 
This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Well, today there's a wind warning and blowing snow, and it's coming. It was in swift current a couple hours ago. I believe it's hitting Moose Jaw very soon or has hit there, so it's on its way to Regina. Rain this afternoon, then changing to snow and blowing snow. Two to four centimeters of snow is expected with wind northwest 70, gusting to 100. Temperature falling to minus two this afternoon. Another two to four centimeters in snow and blowing snow tonight. Wind northwest 70, gusting to 100, diminishing to 50, gusting to 70 overnight. The low minus 10. Tomorrow mainly cloudy, 30% chance of flurries. Blowing snow in the morning, wind northwest 50, gusting to 70, diminishing to 30 near noon. The high minus 6 tomorrow. Wind chill minus 22 in the morning and minus 14 in the afternoon. The low minus 15 Tuesday. Wednesday sunny and melting, the high plus 7, the low minus 2. Thursday sunny, the high 16, the low plus 1. Friday partly cloudy, the high 13 the low minus two. Saturday, partly cloudy, the high 12, the low zero. Sunday, cloudy, the high near 10 degrees. Normal high for this date, plus six, the normal low minus seven. The sun rose at 641 this morning. It sets at 725 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot, Yorkton right now at plus nine. The cold spot up north, Collins Bay at minus 16. Estevan is plus eight. Saskatoon, minus two. Swift Current, minus six. Weyburn plus four, Yorkton plus nine. Cloudy in Regina plus four, 39 degrees Fahrenheit. Winds are from the west at 34, gusting to 52. Humidity 62%, the barometer dropping 98.6. Cloudy in Moose Jaw plus three, winds are from the west at 40. Once again, Regina cloudy in four degrees, that's 39 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. This spring, apply pre-emergent Edge Microactive Group 3 herbicide from Gowan Canada before seeding your canola. Maximize yield today and manage resistance tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougall Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougall Auctioneers. McDougallAuctions.com. And brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer is just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems expect the best. Farm Credit Canada says there is a major opportunity for expansion of Indigenous agriculture. The director of FCC Indigenous Relations, Sean Sunius, says an FCC survey found more than 70% of Indigenous producers plan to expand over the next five years, despite some difficulties. There's a tremendous opportunity for, you know, all across Canada, Jim. Uh, most of our, you know, many of our communities are stewards of vast uh, tracts of land and water and or have uh, access to uh 
you know, some interesting areas, uh, you know, non forest products and so forth, where we can start to leverage our uh, knowledge of herbs and medicines and, and kind of look at how we can bring those uh, kind of products into mainstream markets. So I think from primary production to agri-food, agribusiness, our, our communities are, are poised and positioned for success in, in the sector. You talk about herbs and medicines. What other areas do you see as room for expansion for Indigenous agriculture? Well, you know, I think we've seen a, a tremendous amount of growth in the naturopath sector, and, and a lot of our communities have lots of uh, opportunities there. So we've got, you know, different companies, uh, you know, one in northern Saskatchewan called Boreal Heartland, and, and they're uh, into the non-timber forest products. So they collect, you know, fireweed and shag and morel mushrooms, uh, pine sap. They're exporting into, uh, you know, European makeup and, and gum markets. So we see a lot of opportunity there. And, you know, once upon a time, uh, you know, they uh, you know, our communities had birch bark tea, which today is known as acetaminophen and, and in Tylenol. So, you know, I think we'll see some interesting uh, products and, and opportunities arise when, when we start turning our eyes uh, a little bit more uh, fully towards the agricultural sector. What about some of the vast grasslands? What about some of the usual type of farming that's known, uh, crops yeah. and ranching? Of course, and, and, you know, we did a survey uh, across Canada with a number of Indigenous folks that were involved in the sector, and, you know, they're expressing a lot of interest in gardening, community gardens, greenhouse, uh, you know, Indigenous or, or wildcrafting, uh, as well as the primary production, so, you know, or forage and hay, hay production operations. In fact, you know, the Blood Tribe in Alberta has, and has had Canada's largest irrigation project since the 90s, and they're, they're just expanding, and, and they do a lot of exports into uh, Japanese and markets uh, for their Wagyu beef and so forth. So, you know, we certainly see communities with uh, a lot of opportunity just when looking at agricultural production on, on the uh, livestock and, and the growing things, but also the agri-food, agribusiness side. I think we'll see some interesting entrance into that, that side of the business as well. Could you expand on that? What, what areas? Well, as I mentioned earlier, I think the non-timber forest products offer a lot of opportunity and, and, you know, we've seen some interesting products coming out of, uh, you know, some communities around bison jerky and so forth. So I think, you know, as our communities start to look at how to, how to expand in, in their opportunities with their own, you know, I guess what's happening in their community in terms of if they're involved with bison or other sectors, we'll see some uh, interesting things arise. Uh, so, it, you know, I don't think we have all the answers, but, you know, we're setting ourselves and the community up for success by uh, being able to accommodate, you know, different ways of looking at agriculture and, and making sure it's responsive to the areas uh, that our communities are focused on. Yeah, what are the impediments and how does FCC plan to help support Indigenous agriculture? Well, I think historically, the Indian Act has always posed uh, challenges for our communities. So in a country where uh, land equals wealth, our communities have been very land rich, but it's never been able to be leveraged into economic development opportunities. So, we, you know, we've we've taken steps to mitigate some of the challenges of taking security on reserve and have amended some of our credit directives and eligibility policies so that we're able to get capital into those projects uh, much more easy and allow our communities to uh, really participate in the sector and, and be much more inclusive. So, you know, certainly want to make sure uh, capital is easier to access and then also ensuring that training capacity and some of those knowledge opportunities that we already have in place are being tailored and responsive and kind of thematically uh, you know, relevant to the needs of the Indigenous community, which 
I guess, would be the same as all of our other agricultural uh, entrepreneurs. It's just a lot of our communities are, are maybe a generation or two behind after having been removed from the agricultural sector through different legislation and processes. Sean Sunius is the Director of Indigenous Relations at Regina-based FCC. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And by Canadian AgriBlend. Ask for the livestock products at your feed dealer or for a feed dealer near you. Call 1-800-340-2311. Saskatoon will be home to a new assembly plant for seeding units within the next year. It's being built by a company called Clean Seed. Colin Rush is Clean Seeds Chief Operating Officer. We're putting up 16,000 square feet of facility uh, on a couple acres, and that construction is going to be a new build, and it uh, likely, I think, start next month, hoping that we'll be in there in uh, either late September or October as we go forward. The iron frame will come from a plant in Fargo, North Dakota, but everything else will be done in Saskatoon. So they're going to remain a key component supplier going forward. But all the assembly, all the electronics, software development, the R&D, the grounding agent components, parts, service sales, the customer experience, and really just pushing these machines out to customers and dealers and partners is going to occur right here in our facility in Saskatoon. Clean Seed has developed what it calls metering over top of the row. In a traditional air seeder, you would meter from a rear trailing or or, or uh, between the tank that would go through a series of hoses uh, and hopefully the air would split it reasonably equally which uh, we know air doesn't divide equally. What we've done is we've taken out that um, uncertainty of how much product is going down each hose and we've actually developed a series of what we call stepper motor meters that meter every product over top of each row. So on the Smart Seater Max we have five products, four volumetric and one singulation and they're like a giant printer. They can actually print out exactly what is required for every single product that is going into the furrow, what that ceiling needs to grow. Rush goes on to say, We're taking agronomy to a whole new level. You know, we want to do it in a sustainable manner. It's not about you know making the highest yielding crop. It's making the most sustainable crop with the most cost effective and uh, profit driven for the producer. Uh, and that's the smart part is our, our, our metering, our software, uh, and our electronics technology coupled with really this new frame and, and ground engaging components. Clean Seed will be hiring employees over the next year. I think we're probably undershooting this, but uh, I think off, off the go, we've, we've kind of budgeted for uh, just to get the first production run out, uh, about 20 incremental jobs here on top of some of the hires we've done in Saskatchewan, uh, and those will be uh, moved into the new facility as soon as we're up and running. The company hopes to have the new facility ready by October. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source 620 CKRM. Market Update brought to you by Scott Bjornson of Hall as Wealth. For more information or to book a free consultation, call 1-800-284-9999. And Nelson GM in Assiniboia and Avonlea. If you are a Costco member, get huge savings on current 2019 and 2020 SUVs right now. Grain prices were showing downward movement in early trading. Canola fell 380 at 681.07. Number one red spring wheat dropped 249 at 271.10. The rest unchanged. Durham 312.32. Feed barley 247.68. Flax 891.80. Lentils 644.50. 
Oats, 229.53. Yellow peas, 383.70. Feed wheat, 238.84. The Minneapolis spring wheat May futures are down four and three quarter cents at six dollars nine and a quarter cent a bushel. It's the Livestock Reports on The Source, 620 CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn, 842-4574. And now the latest Livestock Quotes. Heartland Livestock Market Report, Donnie Peacock reporting from Swift Current Yards. Good week on the markets this week. Cow market was surely higher on the top end of the cows here on Tuesday. We average 85 straight through in every cow sold. Some super hard grain cows were 93 to 98 cents per pound. The bull trade as high as a buck and a quarter. A lot of the good bulls trading in that dollar five to a dollar fifteen range. On uh, Wednesday, we had the AM Sunrise Charlotte and Red Angus bull sale. The bulls sold for an average of 4,538. They topped at 5,500. And again on Saturday, we had the uh, Lambs Angus bull sale at Pontex, Saskatchewan. Those Angus bulls have 53.50. They sold as high as 13,000. Throughout the week, the uh, futures and the fat cattle in the U.S. continued to trend higher. Uh, we also saw a little bit of weakness in the Canadian dollar. I would certainly not be surprised to see our feeder cattle with a lot more zip and strength to them this upcoming week. That's the way it is in cattle country. Heartland Swift Current. And the latest Saskatchewan pork prices ever going upwards i think it's another five dollars per ckg today it's at 212.82 per ckg that's both moose jaw brand and plants coming up the resource report this is the saskatchewan resource reports on 620 ckrm here's jim smalley now the resource report the international minerals innovation institute in saskatoon has announced the finalists in the alternative energy systems innovation challenge ANAX Power and Growing Greener Solutions have been selected to proceed to the innovation sprint phase and share the half-million-dollar prize. ANAX Power is a New Jersey-based clean energy technology company that builds and develops projects around the 500-kilowatt turbo expander, providing clean energy from natural gas without combustion. Growing Greener Innovations is a Canadian energy technology company focused on engineering and manufacturing batteries and battery energy storage solutions for residential, commercial and industrial customers. It's based in Edmonton. The two companies will use their share of the half million dollar prize to advance their proposed solution to the point where the Minerals Innovation Institute may select a winner for field testing. The effort is to conclude by the end of 2021. The Innovation Challenge attracted 10 applications from Canada and the U.S., it's designed to provide an alternative energy system to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, have energy cost on par with current practices, and with a pilot scale within 24 to 36 months. On the markets, the TSX is down 46 points at 18,706. The Dow rose 29 points at 33,102. Oil is up 10 cents a barrel at 6,107 a barrel. And the Canadian dollar is down 8 one-hundredths of a cent at 79.41 cents U.S. That's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges grow 
growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, now starting after the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything A. 620 CKRM. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide.